the four best index funds slash ETFs to invest in. Now, before I reveal those four, I do want to touch on the difference between index funds and ETFs because there are some differences, how you can do the research to make sure that you invest in the correct fund. I'm going to reveal the four index or ETFs funds, of course. And then if you are planning on investing globally, what you need to pay attention to, and also the future of these funds. Where do I see these funds go? Are they going to get more popular? Are they going to get less popular? So let's just jump into it. An index fund or an ETF is nothing more than a collection of securities that mirror a specific investment portfolio. So for example, if you take the S&P 500, which is an index of the 500 biggest companies in the US, those companies within that investment have their own weight. So let's say company A is represented by 30%, company B might only be 5%. If you invest in an index fund that mirrors the S&P 500, your money will also be distributed based on that weight. The first index fund was created by John C. Bogle. He passed away in 2019, but he was the founder of the Vanguard Group. You can still invest in that index fund that he created, and it's still widely popular. It's an index fund that tracks the S&P 500. Now, the first ETF in the US also happens to track the S&P 500, and it's also widely popular. It's called the SPDR or also the SPY. The S&P 500 is a popular index to use as a benchmark. Many money managers and fund managers use that as a benchmark and comparing it to their own investments that they're managing. They're looking at how the S&P 500 is performing and they're trying to outperform the S&P 500. In the short term, they're more than likely able to outperform the S&P 500. The question is, can they do that over the long term? A major benefit that you have when you invest in an index fund or an ETF is that it eases you into the investing world without you having that much knowledge or experience when it comes to investing. Even myself, the first index fund that I purchased was the FIFINX, which was the Vanguard S&P 500 index fund. Now that index fund taught me a lot because it taught me how my fund was performing. So emotionally, how do I feel when I see my money go up, but also when I see the value of my investment portfolio go down. It also taught me about, okay, these are the 500 companies that I'm invested in, and what's the specific weight by company? And one thing that I noticed that tech companies had more weight in that specific portfolio, the S&P 500. Another thing that I noticed was that every quarter, I was getting paid a dividend, which is something that was new to me back when I first started investing in index funds and ETFs. So I was able to track my dividends and see, oh, my dividends gets reinvested back into the fund. So not only am I getting my capital gains, which is my investment increasing in value, I'm also getting that dividend that gets reinvested into that specific fund. Another thing that I also appreciate when investing in an index fund is that I'm immediately diversified. So in this case of the S&P 500, I'm investing in 500 companies. So I don't have to go out there and do the research on which companies I need to add into my portfolio. I don't have to cherry pick every single company. Just investing in the index fund, I'm immediately diversified. And also I don't have to 
manage and maintain those companies because if a company isn't performing well according to the standards of the S&P 500 those get kicked out and then new companies are introduced into that S&P 500 and if you invest in an index fund since the index fund mirrors that index you will also have those new companies in your portfolio index funds versus ETFs what's the difference between the two what should you be paying attention to which one should you focus on now, when I first started investing, I focused on the index funds, but I actually like ETFs better. And there's three reasons why I like the ETFs better. The first one has to do with the fees associated with index funds and ETFs. If you take a bunch of index funds and you compare them to their equivalent ETFs, you'll notice that the fees on the ETFs are slightly lower than the fees of the index funds. Especially if you take a mutual fund and you compare the fees or the expense ratio with the equivalent ETF, you'll be blown away and shocked how much you're actually paying in fees for the mutual fund. And like I always say, any money that you can save in fees is money that you can invest in order to build and grow your wealth. The second reason is that you can trade with ETFs just like how you can buy and sell stocks. So you can buy and sell whenever you want throughout the trading day. This is not something that you can do with an index fund because with an index fund or even a mutual fund, you can only trade at the end of the trading day. But with an ETF, you can trade in the morning, midday, even before the market closes. That's a big benefit. And the third reason for choosing an ETF over an index fund is because with an ETF, you can participate in options trading. Now, this is not something, of course, that you can do with an index fund, but a lot of investors like ETFs because of the options component attached to the ETF. With the ETF, more than likely cheaper than the index fund. When I invested in my index fund, I had to put $3,000 down just to get into that S&P 500 index fund. With the ETF, I can buy a single ETF of that same equivalent, which is currently around 300 bucks, and start trading. So the first one is the FIOO which stands for the Vanguard 500 Index Fund ETF. Now, this is the ETF, of course. If you want the index fund equivalent, you want to take a look at the FIFINX or the FIFIAX. Now, the FIOO is one of my personal favorites. It's also the first ETF that I started investing in. And with the FIOO, you're just trying to match the market. You're not trying to beat the market because the FIOO, the S&P 500, you're just mirroring the companies that are in the S&P 500, which is being used as the benchmark, of course. Now, the second one is the BND. This is the Total Bond Market Index Fund ETF. Now, the cool thing about this one is that if you look at the top securities in this fund, they are all treasury notes. And the treasury note has a maturity date of between 2 and 10 years. All those treasury notes have different maturity dates and they have different interest payment dates. So with a normal treasury note, you get paid once every six months, but in the bond ETF, you get paid on a monthly basis. And even if a bond matures, you don't have to go out and buy new bonds because you can just be invested in BND, hold on to it, and you'll be getting interest payments on a monthly basis. The third one, I call it fee 2 but you actually spell it FEE-T-W-O which is the Vanguard Russell 2000 Index Fund ETF. Now, the cool thing about this ETF is that it mirrors the Russell 2000. The Russell 2000 being 2000 small cap companies. 
The good thing about these small cap companies is that they have the potential to blow up and become mid cap or large cap companies. Also, small cap companies don't have that many eyeballs as the mid and large cap companies. So there are a lot of hidden gems available in that Russell 2000. And number four is the VXUS, which is the Vanguard Total International Stock Index Fund, ETF. Now, if you're the type of investor that wants to invest globally or even internationally outside of the US, you more than likely know that investing internationally, a whole new set of risks come into play that you normally don't have to think about. Economical risks, companies paying out dividends, but not as consistently as companies within the US. There's a lot of risk associated with investing in companies in countries that you might not be familiar with. That's where this ETF plays a big role in your investment portfolio. And I have an interesting story about international investing. I like to invest in individual companies, but I also like to invest in index funds and ETFs. And I was looking at investing in some of the companies in a different country. I was looking at investing in companies internationally. So I was looking at different countries and I was looking at different continents. And I was using a stock screener in order to plug in my numbers to see which companies I can add to my watch list and then eventually buy. So I was looking in Brazil, I was looking in Africa, I was looking at China, India, and I found a handful of good companies to invest in. One of them was in China, which was China Mobile. So I went ahead and I think I paid about three to $400 to buy stock in China Mobile. So I was collecting the dividends on a frequent basis and I was watching the value go up and down like it always does in the stock market. But a couple of months after I bought it, the government actually banned China Mobile. So they did give you a heads up of a couple of months before the ban, but I'm the type of investor, I don't always look at my investments account on a daily basis, especially my international investments accounts. So what ended up happening was when I actually logged into my account, I noticed that the ticker symbol for China Mobile was turned into numbers. So I tried to sell it after I knew what happened and I couldn't sell it for a couple of months. And that's where international stock ETF fund would be perfect because a fund manager is always upon the latest information. So in this case, the fund manager would take the necessary actions in order to sell China Mobile, which of course I didn't know because I wasn't paying attention to all my international stocks. I was focusing on my watch list of the stocks within the US. And another one that you can add to the list is called FIO, which invests in mid cap companies. So we've hit the large cap companies with the VOO. We've hit the small cap companies with the V2, which invests in the Russell 2000 companies. We've also hit the bond market, which is the fixed income asset with the BND ETF. But if you also want to round it up, large cap, small cap, and then mid cap, make sure you take a look at VO. Now, you might be thinking, okay, Giovanni, I like this list, but why are all these ETFs and index funds Vanguard-specific ones? Well, you can look at the equivalent ETFs and index funds from different companies, such as Fidelity, but you will more than likely notice that Vanguard has the lowest expense ratio when it comes to their ETFs and index funds. Now, how do you do the research to make sure that you're investing in the correct index fund or ETF that has a proven track record of success? There are two things that I pay attention to, the management team and the performance. 
So let's talk about the management team first. Whenever you're investing, even in a mutual fund, index fund, ETF, you always want to pay attention to the track record of the management team. How long have they been managing the fund? How long have they been in the business? The investing world is extremely competitive. So if you don't perform, you're out of there. So if you can find a fund, an index fund or an ETF that has a track record of success with the management team, more than likely that's a good one to stick with. For example, I'm going to pick on one. The FIAX, the Vanguard 500 Index Admiral. You can go to Morningstar, type in that ticker symbol. You will get some results. What you want to do is go to the People section. The People section will show you the management team. I already did the research and I noticed that Donald and Michelle are both on the management team managing this specific index fund. They've both been managing this index fund for over five years. Not only that, you can also get information of how long they've been in the business and also their educational history, which also helps. So picking on these two fund managers, Donald has been managing different funds since 1997 and Michelle has been managing different funds since 2017. And then of course the second thing is performance. Now you can still do this, you can still research performance on Morningstar, but you can also go to for example Yahoo Finance, just stick with the free stuff, don't pay for this stuff. Sticking with Morningstar, just scroll over to the performance tab and you'll see a graph with a benchmark, more than likely the S&P 500, and then the index fund, mutual fund, or ETF that you chose, and you can compare the two. You can see how your index fund performed compared to that S&P 500 benchmark. Pretty much what you're looking for is your index fund, your ETF, your mutual fund needs to beat that benchmark. Now, where do I see the popularity of ETFs and index funds going into the future? Well, I think they're going to get even more popular. Maybe not with the younger crowd because the younger crowd, they want to be a lot more risky when it comes to investing in individual stocks, investing in crypto. They want to make their money fast. They want to become a millionaire fast. But more of the older crowd, 30 plus, 30 and up, they are more than likely going to focus more on ETFs and index funds compared to, for example, the mutual funds and investing in individual stocks. Let's talk about growth versus value investing. Or you could also say growth stocks versus value stocks or even income stocks. Now, with these two different stocks, there's also two different methods to make money. Investors buy growth stocks because growth stocks have the possibility to grow in value faster than what the average stock market will do on a year-to-year basis. So if the average stock market increases by 7 to 11% in a good year, growth stocks can easily double that. So you can see a growth stock that might hit 20, 30, 40, 50% in growth in one year. A company or a stock such as Tesla is able to do that. Now with a value stock, these are companies that are blue chip companies, These are more stable. These companies are more consistent and they might not be the most exciting companies. They might not have products or services that are exciting to investors, but they do bring a consistency that a lot of investors like and they pay out a dividend. So a company such as Walmart or even Fastenal. Fastenal is a company that sells screws itself. Are you tired of feeling lost in the world of trading and investing? 
Get informed and inspired with the Talking Trading Podcast. I'm Louise Bedford, and I'll help you navigate the markets like a pro. Tune in each week and subscribe now at talkingtrading.com.au or on your favorite podcast app, or check out the link in the show notes. Talking Trading, this is how traders excel. construction equipment this company is not really that interesting when it comes to the product that they sell but they do generate revenue and profits on a consistent basis which they also grow but not as fast as a growth stock would grow it so the primary way of making money with a growth stock versus a value stock it's the mindset that you have as an investor because if you invest in a growth stock you only care about the stock growing as fast as it can and then potentially selling it and making a profit. So your mindset is of a capital gains mindset. You want to make money from the capital gains that you will get from the growth stock. With a value stock, you're focusing on the stock giving you a consistent income in the form of a dividend. The value stock can also, of course, jump up in value, but that's not the primary reason why you would buy a value stock. Now, yes, of course, you can still do options trading. You can still do short selling, but those two are the primary ways of making money with a growth stock versus a value stock. So growth stocks in general don't pay a dividend because any profits that they make, they put back into the business to grow the business as fast as possible. A growth stock can be in pretty much any industry or sector, but you will definitely see growth stocks in the technology sector. And if you think about it, technology, you have to be creative, you have to do a lot of research, you have to beat out the competition, So instead of taking some of that profit and paying it out as a dividend to the investor, you don't want to do that. You want to grow the company as fast as possible because in the tech sector, there's so much competition. So it's best to take the profit that the company generates and put it back into the business. So some of the things that a company can do with the profits that they put back into the business is research and development, coming up more creative ways to promote their products, updating their equipment, expanding into different locations. There's a multitude of things that the company can do by putting the money back into the business. Take, for example, a company like Tesla. So Tesla sells electric cars and it's widely popular, of course. But let's say Tesla came out with a new product. They're still in the electronic car business, but the new electronic car can drive on land, sea, and it can also fly. Just coming out with news like this more than likely will hype up investors to buy more shares in the company, which would potentially make the value of the stock go up even more. And since growth investors like to invest in companies that can increase in value faster than the average stock market performance year over year, these investors don't pay that much attention to the P.E. ratio of a company. The P.E. ratio standing for the price to earnings ratio. So the price to earnings ratio pretty much telling you how much price are you willing to pay for the earnings of a company. If you're a value investor, this is a metric that you pay attention to. Most value investors will look at P.E. ratios of 20 or less. But for a growth investor, since they predict that the sales revenue and earnings of a company will keep growing year over year, the P.E. ratio is not something that they primarily pay attention to. So the P.E. ratio, the price divided by the earnings per share, the earnings is the same as the net profit of a company. In order to calculate the earnings, 
all you have to do is look at the net profit of a company and divide it by the common shares outstanding. So let's say a company made $2 million in net profit, but they have only 1 million shares outstanding. The earnings would be $2. 2 million in net profit divided by 1 million in common shares outstanding. So 2 million divided by 1 million is $2 in earnings per share. The price is the price that you see on the stock market per share. So if a company is trading at $40 and the earnings is $2, the PE ratio is 40 divided by two is 20. So what are some of the metrics that you need to look at if you want to analyze a growth stock then? How can you tell if a growth stock is one that you want to invest in? There's two specific metrics that you can take a look at. The revenue of a company, it needs to grow year over year faster than what the average stock market return is. And also you can look at the net profit of a company. It's a little bit more tricky because there are a lot of growth stocks that actually have a net loss year over year, but their revenue keeps growing at a high pace. There are some other metrics that you can take a look at. You can take a look at debt. You can take a look at the return on equity, the return on invested capital. But when it comes to a growth stock, just looking at those two, the revenue and the net profit, those are the two main ones that you need to pay attention to. If you take a company like Tesla, now if you take a company like Tesla and you look at their revenue growth, Tesla has been able to go 30 to 50% if you look at the last five to 10 years. Take another growth company like Amazon, and you can see that Amazon has been able to grow about 25% in the last five to 10 years. Think about what the average growth is of the stock market. So if you look at the S&P 500, you'll see anywhere between 7 to 11% growth year over year. Both Amazon and Tesla have shown more than double in growth compared to the average stock market growth year over year. Now with a value stock or an income stock, they might not see double digits in growth because that's not the focus. The focus is on the consistency. Yes, they will still grow year over year, but the focus is more on the income that they pay in the form as a dividend to their shareholders. Now, if you look at a stock market decline or a stock market dip or even a recession, there's something interesting that you will see between growth and value investing. With a growth stock, of course, you need to think about the mindset of the investor. They want to buy a stock that will go up in value fast and continue to go up year over year. When everything is going well in the stock market, people are more optimistic and they will pay more and they will buy more shares in specific companies. With a stock market decline or crash, people get a lot more pessimistic. If you look at the growth stock, instead of going up, of course, it's going to dip down, it's going to crash. So people might panic and sell their growth stock. Meanwhile, with a value stock, those, of course, yes, they will also dip in value. But because most value stocks still pay out a dividend, so some might cut their dividend or some might cancel their dividend, but there are still a lot of companies that even in a stock market decline, they pay out a dividend and they even grow their dividend. And those are the companies that I like to invest in. Investors are more than likely to hold on to those investments in value stocks because they still get a payment in the form of a dividend on a quarterly basis. Let's look at technical versus fundamental analysis and how that plays a specific part or a specific role when you look at growth versus value investing. Fundamental analysis is when you look at the financial metrics of a company, how well the company is performing. You look at the sales, revenue, book value, return on invested capital, etc., etc. Technical analysis is when you look at the charts and you try to figure out 
how that stock is trending on the chart screen. Value investors like to focus on the fundamentals of the company and then buy the company when it's selling at a discount. Meanwhile, growth investors, they don't necessarily focus on fundamental analysis. Some of them do focus on technical analysis because they want to buy the company at a cheap price and then be able to sell it at a higher price for a capital gain. There are also a lot of day traders and swing traders that like to jump in to the stock market and buy growth stocks in order to profit from small changes in the price of the stock. You can still do day trading with value stocks, of course, but the benefit of doing it with growth stocks is because growth stocks have that potential and that possibility to go up and down in value fast. That's why growth stocks are usually preferred with day traders and swing traders or even scalpers. Now, if you're an investor just starting out and you now know about growth versus value, you might be thinking to yourself, okay, which one would be better for my investment portfolio, a growth stock or a value stock? Now, my thing is always, why not both? Because I like to invest in both. I like to invest in value stocks for their consistency in income, but I also like to keep my eye on the growth stocks because those, of course, have the potential to go up in value. So you're not limited to either or. You can have both in your portfolio. You can also take a look at how much risk you can endure when it comes to investing in the stock market. If you're somebody that's more risk averse, value stocks will be more in your lane because those, they pay an income on a consistent basis. They're more stable in a stock market decline. Yes, they will dip, but you can still hold on to them compared to the growth stock. Those are more risky stocks that you can invest in because you're investing in the potential growth of that company. But keep in mind that growth stocks are more fun than value stocks in general. So growth stocks produce products or services that are more enticing to investors. Electric cars, music, technology, compared to value stocks which produce products or services that might be a little bit more on the boring side. But there's nothing wrong with being boring and consistent. Now, which one do you prefer? Growth stocks or value stocks? Now, if you enjoy my content on stock market investing, then be sure to follow my podcast and check out my show notes below for exclusive premium content that will take your investing to the next level. In the show notes, I also link to my books, my Instagram so you can follow me, and my YouTube channel. I'll catch you in the next episode.